Hello, and welcome to another episode of Healing Through Pain, a podcast dedicated to the mission of walking people towards healing and health. In each new episode, we will discuss how to show up well for the responsibilities and opportunities that life sends our way. Here is your host, Stephanie West, a licensed practicing counselor in the state of Michigan, a teacher, and a professor who lives her life at the intersection of mental health and education. Thanks so much for following along. Welcome to a new episode. This wasn't necessarily the topic I was planning on talking about this week, but I want to take a sidestep from kind of some of the the plans that I had for episodes and sit with the understanding of what it looks like to be with people who are in pain and people who are in grief and learning how to just be with them instead of trying to take it away or trying to change the situation or make it better. And I get to have this conversation often in my crisis and trauma class because I have a whole host of students who are going going into fields where they're going to be asked to walk alongside people who are going through crises. And so we have this conversation often about how do you just exist with someone and not try to change things. And so I was talking yesterday to uh, the gal that works at the front desk at the counseling office, and she just said to me, she said, I don't get how you can be a therapist. I'd be exhausted trying to solve everyone else's problems. And I just said to her, I said, it doesn't quite work that way. People come to see me, and I work with them long enough to help them realize that they're responsible and in charge of their own stories. And I can help them through, and I can teach them tools and strategies, and I can walk with them. But the work is theirs, and the pain is theirs. And I can't force them to work and I am not able to take away someone's pain. And so a few things have to happen. I have to trust that they're capable. I have to believe that they've been entrusted with their stories and it's up to them to sort through it. And I know that we grow through perseverance and we grow through hard things. And so if I were to step in and try to absolve them of their pain, I'm taking away their opportunity to learn and to grow and ultimately to heal well because I'm starting to do the work for them or I'm taking it on myself. And so I've shared this story before. I just remember early over the summer when I was in the throes of just a really hard season and my sister came and talked to me and she just started crying and I I said, you know, I'm not understanding what's going on here. And she said, well, you're just so sad. I don't want you to be sad anymore. And I said, but I am sad. And she said, but I don't want to see you cry. And I said, okay, so you have two choices. You can go away so you don't have to watch me cry. Or you can sit here and watch me cry. Those are both options. But either way, I'm sad and I'm crying. And I'm not going to stop that because you're uncomfortable. And I feel like culturally, a lot of us struggle with that understanding that People don't have to change their sadness because we're uncomfortable with it. And you can look away from pain and you can look away from other people's grief, but you can't ask them to stop for your comfort. That's a ludicrous thing to request from someone. And so over this past weekend, something really tragic and hard has unfolded in the life of one of my former students. And her mom is a friend of mine, and she reached out to me yesterday and just said, hey, by the way, we've experienced this loss. My daughter has lost her fiance. And then she um, messaged me this morning and said, can you just come and be with us? We don't know what to do. And I, I loved the phrasing there, can you come and be? Can you come exist? Can you come sit with us in this? Because we don't know what to do. And do is that action verb. Do means what's the right next thing. On what can we put forward effort to reduce some of the pain being experienced here? And it just doesn't work that way because there isn't a right thing that we can do. We can only be with someone when they're in the throes of a tragedy. And so what I was saying to my coworker yesterday is I understand the limits of what I have to offer. And I cannot take other people's pain away. And 
I'm okay with that. So I'm going to be able to go to my friend's house tonight and to sit with her daughter and just to be there with her. And my whole goal is to reassure her that she does not need to stop feeling this pain. She does not need to stop grieving or mourning if other people are having that expectation of her. And to sit with her parents and say, there isn't a right thing to do here. Your job is just to be. I can only go there and be with her. I can give her proximity. I can give her comforting touch if that's what she wants. I can give her the gift of sitting with her in her sadness and not trying to change it for her, not trying to take away the pain. I'm not going to ask her to stop crying. I'm not going to encourage her to look at the bright side. I'm not going to silver line things. I'm not going to promise her that things are going to get better. I can't promise that, but I can promise that things won't always be at this level of anguish that I do know. But my task is not to go be with someone and make them feel better because them feeling how they feel is the gift that we can give to someone. And very few people will say just the right thing because there isn't a right thing to say. What would you like to hear if the greatest tragedy of your life has just unfolded? Think through that. What's the right thing to hear? And the reality is nothing. Nothing blunts that pain. Nothing stops the shock. Nothing takes away the physiological response and the jolting emotional anguish that you're about to experience or that you're in. And there's a pride in saying, I need to go show up and say just the right things. It's not a thing we do. There isn't the right thing to say. And there's such humility in just sitting in a dark, broken, devastated place with someone and assuring them that it's okay that they're dark and broken and devastated and you're willing to sit with them in that and you let them be exactly as they are. And here's the thing. Someone in grief might not receive that well. They might not want proximity. They might not want closeness. They might not want touch. They might not want you to intrude on their space. And that has to be okay too, because wherever they're at, it is okay. It is a normal response in grief when anger shows up. It is a normal response in grief when someone becomes numb and withdrawn. It is a normal response in grief when they're bargaining. It is a normal response with grief when they're denying what's happening. Those are all normal. So we have to let them go through the process. And every day, there's going to be new realizations of things that have been taken from them. So as I think through this young woman who's lost her fiance, there's so many layers. There's the immediacy of his proximity. He's not here anymore. Now there's the rituals and the the closure that comes over these next couple days as, as there's funerals and services and burials and all of that. But his actual presence is now absent from her life. Then there are these wedding plans that were ongoing and reminders that every piece of that story will now be changed. There's his family and friends who are part of her life and now that's all going to reorganize. And there's fear because we don't know how it will reorganize. It can happen in a whole host of ways, but things are different now. Every dream they had together has now shifted in her story. Do they want to have kids? Do they not want to have kids? Do they want to have kids now? Do they want to have kids later? Where do they want to live? To where do they want to travel? What are some of the hobbies they enjoyed together? Everything has shifted. There's going to be anniversary dates. There's going to be birthdays. There's going to be reminders everywhere. And as the grief gets processed through, then there's going to be the fear of forgetting him, the fear of moving on. What does that mean that I'm still living? What does it mean to be alive? Those things are going to take copious amounts of time to process through and to organize and try to understand. And there's so many different levels to the pain that she's going to experience. There's actions, there's reactions, there are interactions, and they're all going to be stamped with pain and with grief. And because that's true, giving someone space and grace to go through it on their own timeline is imperative. 
I was, um, I've shared this before. I was sitting with my therapist a year ago. My life had fallen apart and it wasn't from an unexpected loss. It was through some choices that had unfolded in my life where I made decisions to walk away and I made decisions to restructure things. And that was excruciating even though I had choices involved. And so as I was mourning and as I was going through the pains of readjusting to a new life, my therapist sat with me and I was looking up against my birthday, which was a a month and a half out at that point. And he said, honestly, Steph, 34 is probably not going to be your year because he had the foresight to say, you've got layer upon layer upon layer to process through here and it's going to take a while and it's going to be brutal and no one can do it for you. And mine didn't happen with a sudden loss or a sudden phone call or a sudden message that changed my life. To anyone going through profound loss, I am sorry that's where you're at. I am sorry that you're going through that emotional anguish and turmoil, that confusion, those questions of why this, why me, why him, why is it happening this way? And I don't have the words to say to you that are just right, but I do know how to be with people. And one of my goals is to equip others with the ability and the understanding that being with someone and accepting them where they're at and sitting with them in the ick is by far the greatest gift we can give someone who's going through grief and going through a trial. And we have to do a better job of not wanting to say just the right thing or do just the right thing. Gestures often help us feel better about our contribution. And that's not what grief and pain are supposed to be about. It's supposed to be about the person on the other end of it who's experiencing absolute anguish. And one of the greatest gifts we can give is to go sit with them in the despair and not try to change it. Just give them the gift of being present and of saying where you're at is okay. And I will walk with you as long as this takes because this is hard and you're not alone in this. I can't take it away from you, but I can stay here with you. Thanks so much for taking the time to listen. Please share this content with friends and family. Feel free to connect with Stephanie at healingthroughpain21 at gmail.com. Until next time, be well.